You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your hosts, Chris Jennings and Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, Dr. Mike Brazier is joining me along with Dr. Fritz Reed, the Director of Conservation Programs for the Boreal and Arctic for Ducks Unlimited. Fritz, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Oh, thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you. Hey, first, let's go ahead and start off, uh, kind of give people an idea of what, what you do for Ducks Unlimited and what your role is involved with our boreal conservation. Sure. So I have uh, a boreal and arctic in my portfolio. So for the boreal, we've been working in both Alaska and boreal Canada for almost 30 years now. Uh, we joined forces with a couple of groups, the Pew Charitable Trust, Hewlett Foundation, and were able to meet with some great folks in Canada. Of course, Leadership Ducks Unlimited Canada, but also uh, a number of provincial and territorial leaders, some industrial leaders, and then the group that's <clears throat> the groups that have really stepped up are the Indigenous First Nations. Of Canada and the Boreal, uh, folks from the Cree, from the Acacho, Decho, Sawtu, Gwich'in, these people really have looked uh, doing land use planning, and that's what we work with in a big way. Very cool. Can you kind of give our audience an idea? I know when I went up there four or five years ago with you, um, you know, and I would tell people, "Hey, I'm going up to the Boreal Forest to hunt," and they're like, "Where is that?" Can you kind of give people an idea of, of where and what the boreal forest is, you know, as a land landscape? Right. So, so boreal means northern. 
So in the world, when we talk about the northern forest and everybody thinks of it as a carnivorous forest, it, it really is a forest complex that runs from western Alaska across uh, Alaska and Canada to the shores of Labrador. And then in terms of where is it, where do you first encounter it if you're coming from the south? Edmonton was the historical line uh, of the boreal forest. Uh, and then you go north and you can actually go right to the ocean. The Mackenzie Valley, very forested, important wetland complex, is right at the Arctic Ocean. Uh, if, as you move, move further east, you, you run into tundra and the Hudson Bay lowlands. But uh, the boreal forest uh, basically will run east to west and then north to south is Edmonton right to the tundra. Okay. Yeah, I think that gives everyone a pretty good idea. And, and if not, you can always just check it out, you know, pull up Google Earth and, and, and look at that. Um, and and it, it's a big area, too. Oh, it's massive. It's yeah. like I was reading a book here recently, Fritz. I think it's a book that you contributed to. It says the boreal forest accounts for something like 58% of the land mass of Canada. That's, uh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 1.6 billion acres in North wow. America. And it's just, it's just incredible. And when you fly over this area during the summer, you know, you just see wetland, lake, river. It's, it's just landscape uh, across. And so it's, it's, it's really a, a, an amazing place. And it's a wet environment. Uh, many people call it the forest of blue because there's so much water, so much uh, peatland across that landscape. Which actually, you know, that kind of leads me to my next question is, why is the the boreal so important for waterfowl and, and waterfowl production? Uh, if you can explain a little bit of that, which you, you've kind of gotten into with the fact that it is, you know, a very watery landscape. You bet. Well, you know, waterfowl hunters know there's two great breeding grounds across North America. The all-important prairies, which have really high-density nesting, and then the boreal forest, which has overall very low density nesting, but because there's so many wetlands, so many lakes, you can have one or two broods on each of those lakes. And then as you look at the millions of wetland complexes that exist there, you're going to have some fantastic production. And it's why year to year, uh, we're getting 35 to 40% of our breeders across North America to be found in the boreal forest and chiefly in the western boreal forest. In that western boreal forest, that's that makes up um, a portion of Alaska as well, correct? It does. We, we generally define the western boreal forest as, as Manitoba west, so going right into Alaska. And, and Alaska has some really core breeding areas. We were fortunate there were some great pilot biologists back in the day in the 60s that recognized and knew where some of those core areas were. And so that became, uh, under the ANILCAC, those became the National Wildlife Refuges for Alaska. So if you look at where the core breeding grounds of the boreal, you know, Anoko, uh, Yukon Flats, uh, these are the, the core refuges that, that have that big production. Cool. And that, that kind of brings me to another point. It's, it's as far as, you know, Ducks Unlimited Science and, and even the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Canadian Wildlife Service um, survey, 
Um, the boreal is a very difficult place to to work, and and I would imagine just because of the one, its vastness, and two, it's very hard to get to. It's a logistic logistics is it's really really tough and it's very very expensive you know when when you make these flights you know you think about you going up to Yellowknife in the northwest territories or go, going up to alaska you, you you branch off from fairbanks but you're just getting started at that point you know you got to get in the bush there's small planes there's helicopters uh getting around you know how are you going to do it? it it's uh whether you're doing banding whether you're doing research whether uh, you're, you're working with First Nations on helping identify core areas. The logistics make it very, very tough. Yeah, because there's no road going in there. I mean, you're not. It's not like you're driving <laughs> around up there. I mean, it's uh, you're you're boating in, flying in. It's 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 tough to get to. Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, you know the 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 production levels as far as individual species. I mean. Um, I think one thing, you know, waterfowl hunters, you know, you recognize, I think all, most waterfowl hunters recognize that the, the prairie breeding species, um, but how important and, and how, you know, selective are, are these species like widgeon? Um, you know, Mike and I were just talking before we came on air, you know, a significant number of even blue winged teal ended up in the boreal this year. Um, kind of speak to that and speak to the individual species and the importance of the boreal for these species. What we know is is that overall, there are certain species which year in, year out, uh, have, have adapted to the boreal forest regime. So species that, that we know in, in the southern areas, green-winged teal, American widgeon, uh, very, very important. But also a number of the diving ducks, uh, lesser scop, greater scop, uh, ringneck ducks, all have the highest percentage of their breeding population in the boreal forest. At the same time, you will, you'll find uh, northern pintail, mallard, as much as a third of the continental population will be found in the boreal. Uh, but, but what we find in, in, in the boreal year to year is there's about 15 species where at least 50% or more of their population, breeding populations are there. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're, conservationists. we're conservationists with the next, generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. 
united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. So Fritz, you mentioned uh, difficulty of, of accessing the boreal, uh, getting in there to study the ducks and, and you know, to, to do anything in that area. And so it's natural that when we think, uh, think back over the years of how we've learned about waterfowl ecology and where we've learned about it, that area is, is at least until recent years, has been, has been a bit uh, more of an unknown than, let's say, the prairies. Is that a fair statement? That, that's an absolutely fair statement and uh, one that should be emphasized because we often, you know, we were very, very fortunate. We, you know, we have 100 years, 150 years of, of work on trying to understand waterfowl basically from the prairies and only, you know, beginning in, in the 40s and 50s, expanding in the 60s, do we see people go into the boreal and the Arctic and try and and begin to understand some of the energetics and some of the food habits of of these species in in a boreal context. So, Fritz, from a ecology standpoint, I, I'll confess that I don't know a lot, certainly not firsthand, about the ecology of species once they nest in the boreal. Whether it be species that are have a higher affinity for the boreal, such as the scop and scoters and and other species such as that or whether it be pintails and widgeon and green wings and how their ecology and breeding effort may differ between the prairies and the boreal so just a one general question here if you know the answer to this if we as a community know the answer to this do we see a decrease in let's just say for example re-nesting effort among species that nest in the boreal because it sort of stands to reason when you think about this the farther north you go that growing season, that breeding season gets shorter. Does that show up in terms of uh, fewer re-nest attempts and less uh, le- uh, less re-nesting intensity? I, I think that's the general thought by most people that as, as you, you start restricting the amount of days where it's ice-free and, and uh, but what we're seeing too is, is that in August, Oftentimes we see a big push of, of, of young birds that have just hatched out in the boreal. And so the question is, are these birds that are re-nesting from, originally from the boreal or are they, these at times when birds get pushed north from the prairies when they're dry? Generally, our thoughts are that uh, birds, if they overfly, aren't going to fly that far into the boreal to re-nest and that if they if they do move pretty deep into the boreal they may try to survive but are not necessarily going to be successful nesters but the reality is we just don't know we haven't been able uh, only recently do we have techniques like satellites where we could track birds to truly go into the boreal and look at the timing of both initial nesting and potential re-nesting and those are those are those are questions still remain. So in years such as this, where 
birds that made it to the southern prairies encountered incredibly dry conditions. A lot of those are going to continue on fly into the boreal. Do we have any idea what percentage of those are actually going to try to breed versus a certain percentage that might just forego breeding this year and you say, hey, I'm going to try to wait it out. I'm going to try to survive till next year and give it another shot. Do we have any clue about that kind of uh, part of ecology? No, that's, that's a great question, and we don't know. Uh, we, we do know that species like blue-winged teal will generally attempt in the southern portion of the boreal some level of nesting. We see successful broods in that area, but what overall percentage of those birds that are, that are leaving the prairie, we don't know. We do know that you know, when the prairies are wet, that's when we have our largest continental populations. So the prairies are essential in maintaining those big continental populations. But we also know that there is some breeding uh, when the prairies are dry from birds that we typically think of as prairie birds, blue-winged teal, northern shovelers, uh, pintails, etc. Yeah, the way I've always thought about it and I've heard it described is that the prairies because they are so dynamic, they're, they are the engine for the, the population booms. But when the prairies dry, of course, we lose a lot of that productivity. And those are the years when that boreal forest becomes so incredibly important because it's our safety net either for some level of lower, lower level of sustained production or just giving those birds that don't have, that can't find breeding habitat in the prairies, a place to go and make it through until the next year and give it another shot and hope for better habitat conditions. And that's really what makes preservation of the boreal within Ducks Unlimited's conservation work so important. And at the same at the same time, what we're seeing is that certain populations are really growing within the boreal. That 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 we clearly see that in Alaska. Alaska back in the 50s when we first started doing aerial surveys had a peak of 40,000 widgeon across all the surveyed areas. Now we know there's over a million breeding widgeon annually in the boreal of Alaska. And that's also true now over a million birds of green teal, of pintail, of scop. And so those populations have grown uh, over the last 50 years. And, you know, there's another interesting dynamic here that I don't think we'll have time to get into on this podcast. And I don't know if we really understand all the answers to it, but... But as those birds move into the boreal, certainly the western boreal and into Alaska, then that's going to have implications more so for our western hunters and migration down through the Pacific Flyway. And so where these birds breed uh, is going to obviously influence where they go uh, after the breeding season. And so longer term, as we see these shifts, or or maybe I shouldn't even say shifts in this regard, but as we've seen increases, let's just say, in Alaska in the widgeon population, uh, you know, it stands to reason that we might see that manifest in numbers on the wintering grounds. Is that kind of bearing itself out? Uh, To some degree, but there again, we we would sure like to see some more, you know, cross uh, breeding and wintering information. Uh, we we clear, you're absolutely right. We we do see big increases in widgeon along the western coast marshes in Washington, Oregon, California. Uh, but at the same time, we also know from satellite data that there are birds that breed in Alaska that are ending up on the east coast. Uh, so um, the the north is an interesting place 
uh, looks looks like it's not a direct south migration, that there's movement across the continent and then south. So uh, uh, we need more information. Yeah, it, continue, it never ceases to amaze me how, how much we really don't know about some of these important questions. Um, and it's the more you know, the more you want to understand and the more you realize how little you actually do understand that, that, uh, that holds true here as well. That's definitely the truth. The other thing that's really interesting about the boreal and the ducks to use it is that as you fly over these landscapes, you see a, a wide variety of different types of wetlands. And they're important to individual species by type so that where green-winged teal tend to nest, they typically are along pluvial stream situations, and they'll be in the brush around those stream situations, whereas the scoters you'll find oftentimes on islands, uh, in big water bodies, big lakes, etc. And, and the scoters tend to be somewhat colonial. You may find uh, a number of, of, of nests uh, within a certain area. So the different types of wetlands, whether it be a, a small, intermediate, large, you may see different uh, species orienting to those for their nesting uh, periods. And, and, and that's pretty cool. And that's why the strategy we use is huge blocks of, of area, both upland and wetland. And because the boreal is such a big place, when we look at conservation, we're typically thinking in, you know, a million acres, two million acres, you know, what, what can we do in, in this regard? Fritz, I appreciate you joining us. And, you know, we're going to, if people want to learn more about the boreal, you can always visit ducks.org and get a bunch of information there. But we're going to bring Fritz back and we're going to talk about what Ducks Unlimited is actually doing. Um, everything from, you know, conservation-wise, even on the policy level, and some of the partners that we're working with in the boreal, I think you might find very interesting. Thanks a lot, Fritz. All righty. Talk to you guys. Special thanks to Dr. Fritz Reed for joining us from our Sacramento office, the Western Regional Office. Also, thanks to Clay Baird for producing the Ducks Unlimited podcast. He does a great job. And thanks to all of you, the listeners, for supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. 
Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 